Okay, so by way of introduction, uh, yeah, my name is Willis Weatherford. I'm new here, so if we haven't met yet, that is why. I'd love to meet you. Um, let me tell you a little bit about RUF and a little bit about myself. So RUF is a Christian ministry on campus. We're here for Christians and non-Christians. So whether that's you, either one of those, we're glad you're here, you belong here, because we're here to explore what it means to follow Jesus while on campus and beyond. And so I just want to say, like, whatever your week has been like, if it's been a great week, if it's been a horrible week, if you feel like, why am I here right now? They're singing weird songs I don't know. Whatever you feel like right now, whatever you're carrying, this is a chance for you to just breathe in, breathe out, be yourself, take off the mask, because we're in the presence of Jesus. And that's what this is about. So, uh, yeah, my name is Willis. Some of you have met Anna and saw her face a second ago. We're here for you. My purpose here as a pastor on this campus is to help you wrestle with God as he has revealed himself in Scripture. So any way I can help you do that, whether it's uh, you coming here to a large group or meeting one-on-one, grabbing coffee or lunch or whatever, would love to do that. Um, so I'm from Houston. Uh, like the past few years I've been in Houston. I'm originally from Kentucky. We'll talk about Kentucky in a second. But Texans, what happened to your football teams last week? Can anyone explain this to me? UT and AMM robbed? Wow, sore loser. I don't know, guys. It did not look pretty out there. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Can't win for losing. Uh, so, I'm from Kentucky. Unlike UT and A&M, we actually have a great football team. Uh, beat Florida last week. So, I love, <laughs> I love Kentucky. Um, I have had a blast moving. just moved here to Virginia like three weeks ago. My family's back here marrying the kids. She's waving. There's my wife, Mary. Yeah, they'll be here sometimes. It's past bedtime. But anyway, I just moved my family here from Houston to be with you. I mean, literally. So it's really cool for me to be here with you guys tonight and see, like, oh, cool, this is RUF, because they've seen bits and pieces, but this is really cool. Um, but what I really want you to know, as I kind of wrap up this introduction of myself, and would love to meet with you one-on-one and tell you, like, more of my story and what I love to do and all these things. What I really want you to know tonight is I'm not a good person. I'm a pastor, but I'm not a good person, but Jesus loves me, and he loves you. And that's why I'm here, to help us tonight and every night remember that Jesus loves us and that that changes everything. So before we get into that, little story. Um, so I was in Colorado. I was uh, climbing a mountain with uh, one of my best friends, Nathan Briggs, uh, and we're hiking up the trail, and I, I um, feel this sting on my ankle. And I look down and I see like yellow jackets swarming my ankle. So I start running, of course, like with my pack on my back. So it's not pretty, but I'm running away and they're just stinging me like crazy. So I run, 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 swatting at my ankles, finally get away from them. I had seven stings and I'm like, I'm a man, no problem. I got this. So I keep on hiking up the trail. And then I start feeling itchy. And I start getting like this weird rash on the insides of my elbows. And then my friends notice my face and they're like, hey man, your face looks a little funny. And then I look at myself on my phone, and my lips are swollen up, and then I start feeling my tongue swell, and I can't talk that good, and I'm like, oh, allergic reaction. So long story short, we basically drop packs, run back down the mountain, call 911 on the way, the EMTs meet us at the base of the trailhead, go to the, what do they call those, the clinic or whatever, got my ibuprofen, now I carry an EpiPen most of the time. Um, I actually got stung by a yellow jacket a couple days ago and didn't die, but what, um, the point of this story, what I want you to kind of enter into with me here, 
is I was living my life on that trail from the point in time where I got stung all the way for the next half hour as I keep walking up the trail, as I get itchier and as my lips get swollen. I was living my life according to an old reality, a different, actually a false reality where I wasn't allergic to yellow jackets because I didn't know that I was. And so because I was living my life according to this old reality, I was actually inching closer and closer to death. (laughs) And it was only when I realized, oh, new reality, I'm allergic, that I changed my course and lived. So this fall, each week in large group, I want to explore with you the reality called the kingdom of God, which may sound like an old archaic term, but it's one that we find in Luke, which we're going to be studying And when I say the kingdom of God, I just mean life lived in line with the good news of Jesus Christ. Life lived in line with the gospel. So I want us all here to see that not just did Jesus die on the cross to save you from your sins, although that is true, uh, and if you haven't heard that news yet, we'd love to meet up with you and tell you more about why that is so important, but there's more to the story of the gospel than that. He didn't just die on the cross to save you from your sins. He died on the cross and rose from the dead to invite you into his kingdom, to live in his kingdom every day now. So, that's what we're going to look at this fall. Um, I want to invite you, look at, um, let's see. Well, I got a handout under your seat that you can kind of start perusing now as we think about a little bit more. What, What do I mean when I say kingdom? Because... Okay, the, the series we're going to look at this fall is called Competing Kingdoms. So I feel like we need to like, make sure we're defining our terms properly together now. So when I say kingdom, I just mean the big story that you see yourself in. The values that guide how you spend your time, how you spend your money. Uh, the system of ethics and morality that guide how you make choices and decisions. Um, and all the other people, all the other things that share those same realities with you. That's what I mean when I say kingdom. And so as people living in Lexington, Virginia, on this campus, you have two options, two kingdoms that you could live your life a part of, the kingdom of God and what we're going to call the secular kingdom, the kingdom where God is bracketed out as irrelevant or maybe not even real, the secular kingdom, the kingdom of God, which one are you going to live your life in, okay? So some of you here, I'm already, I can see it in your eyes, you're already thinking, okay, you're talking about kingdoms, sounds kind of like a fairy tale, but me... I'm my own person. I can make my own decisions. I'm an individual. I'm not a pawn in some larger scheme. And I want to suggest to you the possibility that actually the reason you have that value, the reason you care so much about being independent and on your own is because you belong to the secular kingdom. Just like I do. Like this is the air we breathe where individualism and like free will matters so much. The reason, the fact that that matters to you is proof that actually your minds and your lives are governed by something outside of you telling you that's the way to believe. I find that a little bit creepy. And so what I want to do is like kind of dig in today a little bit and look at a little bit of the nuances, the ins and the outs of the secular kingdom so that you can take a chance, decide for yourself if you feel like it's actually describing your reality. And if we can do this, if we can actually discover the kingdoms that we live our lives under, evaluate maybe which kingdom we want to be a part of, we'll be able to answer our deepest questions. How can I discover who I am? What should I do with my life? Which authorities should I trust and which ones should I reject? Why is there so much pain in my life and what should I do about it? Where do I turn 
when life falls apart. So in the kingdom of God, we find how Jesus answers those questions in a refreshingly paradoxical way, in a life-giving way. Let's pray. Father God, thanks so much for bringing us here today. Uh, it's just so fun to finally be here for me. So Lord, I just want to thank you for bringing me here. And um, for each person in this room, no matter what their background, what their story, I ask so that you would draw us into your word. Help us to wrestle with you as you have revealed yourself in your word. Don't let us leave here unchanged, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so now's the time to pull out this handout, little chart. Sorry if these, this feels like educational or whatever. Feel free to throw it away afterward. But I wanted to like graph out a little bit what I'm saying when I'm saying two competing kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the secular kingdom. So we're not going to walk all the way through it. I would love for you to take it home and just look at it and see like, okay, yeah, does this make sense with my life? Do I see this? But you can see that under every line, kingdom of God and the secular kingdom, there's two options. There's an option for the king and the authority, for the savior, the primary value, the currency, the identity, all of that. There's two different options. And so I want to do a little cultural analysis here. Oh, your mom's calling. You better, better pick that up. A little cultural analysis. I think the reason America... Has anybody heard somebody say in the last two years that America is polarized and divided? Like, we've all heard that. And it is. I mean, it's just true. America is super divided and polarized, and everybody's mad at everybody else. And everybody has, like, their, their theory, their solution of why that is. So here's mine. My theory is that America is so divided because we have this pretty shared, pretty common set of, like, moral, ethical values, like... Justice is good. Fairness is good. People should be able to pretty much do what they want. People should have a say. People should be able to pursue happiness. Like, we agree on these things, but we have no common, like, agreed-upon moral authority. We have no common shared value of how to go about getting those good things. We disagree about how to do that widely, crazily, and that's why we're so polarized. And in some, I would say the way to describe that is that we want to live in the kingdom of God without the king. We want to live in the kingdom of God, a land of peace and justice and righteousness and happiness. But we don't want the king. We don't want God. That's where America is right now. And that's where all of us live our lives. So <clears throat> I also want to say, like, don't hear what I'm not saying right now. Some of you are like, I think he's telling me to vote for Trump in 2024. I'm not. I promise I'm not telling you, like, who to vote for. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not arguing, like, Christians versus atheists. We're not talking about like evangelicalism or secularism. I'm not saying you should vote Republican or Democrat. Uh, I'm not trying to convince you of conservatism or progressivism. Definitely not here to weigh in on whether the university's name should be changed. Not touching that, ever. So don't ask me. I want you to consider the possibility that all of those like competing narratives of the good life and how to get it are actually contained within the secular kingdom. Those are, none of those, it's not like one of those is good and one of those is bad. All of those are within the secular kingdom that brackets out God. So, we're going to hear good news tonight. Not just all this confusing weirdness about like worldview stuff. And The good news is that Jesus came to invite all of us into his kingdom. To live in a totally different way. That doesn't, it's not a zero-sum game. You don't have, someone else doesn't have to be wrong for you to be right. He invited all of us to come to him and live in a totally 
different kind of kingdom. So we find that kingdom introduced in this passage that Emma just read for us. Thanks again, Emma. Um, to look at this passage today, we're going to dig into it a little bit. And first I want to introduce it, okay? Because it's like, first off, it starts with the word inasmuch, which is a word I haven't seen introduced that often. So like, what is this book saying? So uh, Luke, where this passage comes from, is this book in the New Testament, and it's basically the life story of Jesus, the history of Jesus written by a man named Luke. And it was commissioned by this other guy named Theophilus, who's mentioned in the verse. Theophilus is probably a fairly wealthy guy who's heard about Jesus, just through word of mouth, like during the, and soon after the life of Jesus. He's heard about him, but he wants to like know for sure, like, I wish I could hear from somebody who's there what actually happened. And so he goes to Luke, who he knows, and Luke's a physician, smart guy, good at writing Greek or whatever, and says, Luke, you know all these guys, because he knew that Luke knew the disciples who were Jesus' best friends. He says, Luke, Go talk to all these guys. Figure out what happened. Write it down for me. I want to know. And so Luke does that. And he finishes sometime around 40 or 50 years after Jesus died. So around 80 or 90 AD. Um, And so he introduces his book, his letter to Theophilus, by telling him where he got his information. So he says, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, Just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So (laughs) let's break that down real quick. Uh, When he says many have undertaken to compile a narrative, he's saying lots of people have tried to write this story. And he's just referencing the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. He's saying more people than I have done this. But why were they written? Luke says uh, there's some things that have been accomplished among us. Some stuff has been done. Something important enough happened, they made enough of an impact on people that the story's been passed along. And then he says, those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning delivered them to us. He's saying, I got my information from the eyewitnesses, from the people who actually saw Jesus do these things. So what this means is, especially like if you're here, maybe you don't read the Bible, you don't find it compelling or trustworthy. What this means is for you, if you are willing to read a biography on General Washington or Abraham Lincoln or whatever other historical figure that's like written by a modern person, you should definitely be willing to read the Gospel of Luke because it was written by a person who actually interviewed the eyewitnesses of the accounts here. Um, The claim of the Bible, the claim of Luke, what he's saying actually happened in history is that Jesus accomplished the salvation of sinners, the adoption of the enemies of God, the redemption of rebels, like making you, who are an enemy of God by nature, just like me, bringing you into God's family. He's saying this happened, and it happened to establish the kingdom of God in our world now through his historical work then. So it's kind of like penicillin. All of you probably know this story. So uh, what was his name? Anybody know? Pop quiz. Anybody know who invented penicillin, discovered penicillin? Anybody? Oh, Fleming. Good job, Madeline. Alexander Fleming. Yes. Okay. Very good. 1928, discovered it. Took him, 1942, what is that, 14 years to perfect it and turn it into medicine, right? So ever since 1942, calculations say 200 million lives have been saved by penicillin. Historical work a long time ago, bringing about massive change that continues into our lives today. So Luke thinks Jesus made that kind of a difference, even bigger of a difference. But so what? What does that mean for your life? Why would that matter for you now, what he did then? Luke says why he wrote the book for Theophilus. He says, I wrote this, Theophilus, so that you might have certainty 
concerning the things you've been taught. That you may have certainty. So, God's word is really clear on this. You can actually have certainty about your relationship with God. You can actually be sure that Jesus did what he said he did. God wants that for all of you. I want that for all of you. One of the reasons I chose Luke as something for us to go through this fall together is that I want you to have that certainty. Uh, One reason I want you to have this is because life is really hard. Like, the beautiful thing about the kingdom of heaven is that belonging to it means access to God every second, especially in the hard parts of our life. And life's hard. Just ask my daughter, Juniper. So she was back there. She's four years old. Super cute. You might have noticed she had like a swollen lip today. It's because three days ago, she hit the deck in our house really hard, busted open the inside of her lip, four stitches, very sad. Um, but this kind of cool moment happened in the midst of it. So I go to the ER. My wife's already there with our kids. The doctor hasn't come in yet. So you know, I scoop up Juniper. I just like lay back on the hospital bed, and she's lying on my chest. Um, and she's like crying because she's so scared the doctor's going to come. Um, so I'm telling her it's going to be okay and everything. And the doctor comes and he's like, we, we should probably send her to another hospital for general, general anesthesia. We don't think she's going to be able to handle like the shot in her lip to like numb it because it's very painful and needs stitches. And we were like, we really don't want to put her under general anesthesia. That's scary. Could we just try it? Like, and I was like, can I hold her on my chest? And you do it like while she's on my chest. He was like, okay, yeah, we'll try it. So I'm holding her. And he, like, injects the needle in her lip. And, of course, it hurts really bad. I mean, those of you who have had this happen on you or in your body, it's super painful. And, of course, she's crying. And, like, I feel like crying as I'm holding her there. But she does it. She handles it. She doesn't, like, wiggle too much. She gets the numbing. And then by the end of the shot, she's like, no, I mean, he can do the stitches, no problem. Why? Why can a four-year-old handle a shot that most adults, like, he called it a miracle later. He was like, I've never seen that before with a four-year-old. Why could that happen? Because she's with her dad. She draws strength from her dad. And the beauty of the kingdom of God is that all of us are invited to be with our Father. That's what the gospel is. Jesus came to grab a hold of you who have been divorced from your Father, separated from your Father. And listen, I know, some of us have weird relationships with our dads in this room. Some of you have awful relationships with your dad or even no relationship for lots of different reasons. And Jesus came to introduce us and bring us to our Father who is actually perfect. To the God of heaven and earth who actually loves us the way we were made to be loved. And the kingdom of God means we can not just have an individual relationship with him, but live in a world governed by him. Live our lives in line with him. I want you to, to believe that tonight. If you've never heard that before, if you've heard it a thousand times, I want you to believe and hold on to that, that Jesus came and with his perfect life, he bought righteousness for you. So that in the presence of God, you can be seen as perfectly innocent, totally regardless of what you've done. Because I know, listen, looking at my own life, I've done a ton of bad things. I already told you I'm not a good person. All of us have, if we're honest. If we look in our hearts, whether it was like big, dramatic, bad things, or just like the nasty things we do in our hearts to other people, none of us are good people here, if we're honest. Jesus came and lived a perfect life to give you his reputation, his record before God, so you can be innocent and know for a fact that you're good with God. Okay, not only that, he gives you his righteousness, but he also, he takes care of all the shame and the guilt that you carry. So like, the things that that we have done to other people that we can never fix, doesn't matter how many times you apologize, you just can't take it away, right? 
Those things, Jesus paid for those. So that you no longer bear the guilt of that before God. You don't have to find some kind of way to be perfect and outweigh the good with the bad. You don't have to like find some way to fix every problem that you've done. Of course you should apologize, we all know that. But Jesus made you innocent. He took all the punishment of God for your sins that you don't have to. Okay, so if all this is true, what should you do with this? Like, what does it matter for you? How should you live your life differently this week? So if you can feel God right now, if you can kind of feel God inviting you to take him seriously in a new way, like maybe this is a little unfamiliar, or you're like, that sounds good. I want to believe that. If you can feel that, I want, we want to hear about that so that like, I, I would like you to come up to me or to Anna or one of the people up uh, who's on band, one of our servant leaders, tell someone about that tonight. Be like, hey, I would like to hear more. I'm intrigued by this thing because we'd like to help you and encourage you navigating that path, figuring out how to follow Jesus, how to actually receive and experience the grace of God in your life. So please let us know. And uh, we're not going to make it weird. <laughs> we can like go get coffee and just talk about life and it'll be good. Um, if you're here tonight and you hear me say this and you're like, yeah, I don't believe any of that. <laughs> cool that you said this, cool that you put on this like music and stuff for us, but I don't believe any of that. If that's you, I would like to invite you to come up to me afterwards and talk so I can tell you my story and just tell you like the honest truth of what God has done in my life. Because it's easy to dismiss, I know it's easy to dismiss some guy talking at you from you know, up here, but like when you hear someone's life story of how God's actually changed, that's harder to dismiss and I would love for you to hear that if that's you. And if you're here tonight, you've been following Jesus for a while, maybe you've heard this before, I want you to ask God tonight to help you live your life more in his kingdom, right? To where it doesn't no longer feel like just this segmented part of your life, but it feels more like Jesus changes everything. Like, I'm living my entire life in his kingdom. I'm experiencing his grace in every part of my life. I want that for you. And so I want you to pray and ask God. I'm going to pray in just a second. Pray during that prayer and ask God to help you do that. Uh, maybe that means joining a small group, maybe the first time. So QR code's over there, like do it. Maybe it means coming with me to fall conference this weekend. You got to sign up by tomorrow night. So like do it tonight or tomorrow night. And if you need money, talk to us because we have money for you. Uh, if you come to fall conference, you're going to have like, we're going to have small group times. You're going to make new friends and you're going to hear me and other people who are better speakers than me tell you in different angles what it means to follow Jesus, how Jesus has saved us. Um, maybe it means f uh, joining a local church. Like I know some of y'all, if you're freshmen, I'm not saying you have to like make that happen this Sunday, but I'm saying like joining a local church where you can actually get relationships with people who aren't college students or close to college students makes a huge difference to seeing what the life of faith looks like throughout the generations. So I don't know what that looks like for you, but I want you to know I'm in your corner, okay? That's my point, is not to make you feel bad or to judge you or to say you need to be at a certain place that you're not at yet, but to help you follow Jesus while you're here. So, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this chance to look at your word, Jesus. For this chance to think, even for a second, that you have done something that none of us could do on our own. You introduced this kingdom into our world, and you invite us into it. And we just want to have a glimpse of that kingdom, a glimpse of you, Jesus. We want to experience that more and more. And so I ask, Lord, that you would not leave us alone, that you would pursue us. Um, Father, that you would be faithful to your promise to go after your children and bring us into your family. So I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.